The book of love is long and boring No one can lift the damn thing It's full of charts and facts and figures And instructions for dancing But I I love it when you read to me And you You can read me anything. The book of love has music in it. In fact, that's where music comes from. Some of it's just transcendental. Some of it's just really dumb. But I, I love it when you sing to me and you you can sing me anything the book of love is long and boring and written very long ago it's full of flowers and heart-shaped boxes and things we're all too young to know but i i love it when you give me things and you you ought to give me wedding rings and i i love it when you give me things and you, you ought to give me wedding rings. We come together this morning from many different experiences and backgrounds, but all of us share this in common. We speak the language of love. In the moments before our worship begins, and again when we return to the service of life, we greet one another with kind words. We chat about the days behind us and the days to come, and we speak the language of love. We lift our voices in song, not to sing perfectly or even in tune, but to hear and feel our true voices form a life-giving sound and we speak the language of love. We form a web of compassionate listening when individuals among us embodying vulnerability name the fears that grip their hearts, the joys that buoy their spirits. We speak the language of love. At times, our voices clash, we disagree. Tension sometimes enters our voices as we make room for our differing perspectives, Yet through it all, it's our intention that we speak the language of love. In this congregation, we welcome a multiplicity of voices and we invite them to speak out loud. We prophesy, summoning the age when justice and peace will be evident all around us. And we speak the language of love. So let us worship together, making room for one another as whole beings tender hearts, hungry spirits, curious minds.
with our actions and our words. Let us speak the language of love. These opening words by Unitarian Universalist Minister Erica Hewitt welcome all who have gathered here on Zoom this morning to take part in our Sunday service. Welcome to regular members of the congregation, to friends and visitors who are with us today, anyone who might be listening in via the podcast or watching on YouTube at a later date. For anyone who doesn't know me, my name's Jane Blackall and I'm Ministry Coordinator with Kensington Unitarians. If anyone's here for the first time today, welcome, especially glad to have you here. You might want to hang around afterwards for a chat or drop us an email to introduce yourself. Either way, I hope you find something of what you need in the gathering this morning. You might try coming to one of our small group gatherings to get to know people better. And to the regulars, thanks for all you do to welcome all who come. We all have a part to play in co-creating a sacred space and a sense of beloved community. We always say, feel free to do what you need to do to be comfortable. It's lovely to see your faces, but also fine to turn your camera off. There will be opportunities to join in as we go, but they're just invitations, not obligations. There's no compulsion. You can quietly lurk with our blessing. This morning's service of readings and music is titled Love is a Verb. Think of it as an early Valentine's service. Perhaps I'm not leading next Sunday and it's not a topic that Sarah's particularly keen on. Today we'll be considering the enormous subject of love through a very particular lens, thinking about love as an action, a thing that we must actively do rather than a feeling that just comes upon us, comes and goes, over which we have no control. Before we go any further though, I'm going to light our chalice as we do whenever we gather. It's a simple ritual that connects us with Unitarians and Unitarian Universalists the world over, which reminds us of the proudly progressive religious tradition of which this gathering is part. Blessed is the fire that burns deep in the soul. It's the flame of the human spirit touched into being by the mystery of life. It's the fire of reason, the fire of compassion, the fire of community, the fire of justice, the fire of faith. It is the fire of love burning deep in the human heart. The divine glow in every life. So let's take all those joys and concerns spoken and unspoken into a time of prayer and reflection now. You might want to shift your position for comfort. You might want to close your eyes or soften your gaze. There might be a posture that helps you to feel more prayerful. Whatever works for you, whatever helps you get into the right state of body and mind for us to pray together and to be fully present with ourselves, each other, and that which is both within us and beyond us. Spirit of life, God of all love, in whom we live and move and have our being. As we turn our attention to the depths of this life, cosmic mystery and wisdom that abides in all that is, we tune into your holy presence the light within and without. 
with us now as we allow ourselves to drop into the silence and the stillness that's at the center of every being. As people of faith, we seek to live in a spirit of love, a spirit of community, justice and peace. Yet in so many corners of the world, far and near, we see exploitation and coercion, divisiveness and hatred. We struggle to respond to the outer world and our inner dramas in ways that manifest love. At times we may fear that love will not be strong enough. At times we may question whether love really is at the root of all things in a world with so much struggle and suffering and discord. This is the mystery within which we live and die. These are the questions that haunt our days and nights. And yet we're not without hope. Our very struggles and our questions testify to our longing for peace and for love. In the stillness of our own heart, we read the imprint of love, the enduring light within. May it keep our hope alive through the toughest times. May it guide us as we seek to act wisely and well. May it help us to be vessels of compassion for one another and for our world. And in a quiet moment or two now, let us each look back over the week just gone to take stock of it all. The many everyday cares and concerns of our own lives and those concentric circles of concern that ripple ever outwards, enfolding the entire world and all those lives which touch our own. Let us sit quietly in prayer with that which weighs heavy on our hearts this day. And let us also take a moment to notice all the good that has happened in this past week. Moments of uplift and delight, beauty and pleasure, all those acts of generosity and kindness that we've witnessed, there is still a lot to be grateful for. So once again, let's take a little while to sit quietly in prayer and give thanks. Spirit of life, God of all love, 
as this time of prayer comes to a close, we offer up our joys and our concerns, our beauty and our brokenness. And we call on you for insight, healing and renewal. As we look forward now to the coming week, help us to live well each day and be our best selves, using our unique gifts in the service of love, justice and peace. Amen. Time for us to sing. Our first hymn is To Worship Rightly, an old favourite, a hymn which speaks of acts of love and care as the highest form of worship. This is a recording of our own congregation from a few years ago, so please do excuse any rustling or coughing that you hear. The words will be up on screen so you can sing along, but you might prefer just to listen. We'll do our best to make sure you all stay muted.
Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places by David S. Blanchard. Most of us look for love in only the most obvious places. And as a result, most of us come away disappointed. It's as if we're still at primary school, counting Valentines as a measure of what matters. The love that matters is not typically the subject of sonnets or love songs. There can be love in being told we are wrong. There can be love in sharing a regret. There can be love in asking for help. There can be love in communicating hurt. There can be love in telling hard truths. Most of us find it painful to live at this level of love, but it can be there even in these most unlikely places. It isn't the kind of love we've been promised in the fairy tales of princes and fairy godmothers, but it is the kind experienced by frogs and dwarfs. It's a sort of love that can bring us closer to finding the missing pieces of ourselves that we need to make us whole. Some of the most loving things I've ever experienced, I haven't been ready for, wasn't looking for, and nearly didn't recognize. A few of them I didn't want, but all of them have changed me, transformed some part of me, filled in a place that I didn't even know was empty. When the Valentine has been tucked away in a drawer, the chocolates eaten, the flowers faded and gone, there will be other legacies of love that will last as long as we do because they have brought us to know an element of life, part feeling, part idea, part mystery, that once known is ours to keep. This poem is by a poet who styled herself U.A. Banthorpe. And uh, perhaps I should point out that there's a reference in the poem to an item known as WD-40. And I hope your DIY enthusiasts will know exactly what I'm talking about. It's that juice which frees up all joints, not, alas, human joints, but metal hinges and the like. It's a magic thing. The poem is called Atlas. There is a kind of love called maintenance, which stores the WD-40 and knows when to use it, which checks the insurance and doesn't forget the milkman, which remembers to plant bulbs, which answers letters, which knows the way the money goes, which deals with dentists and road fund tax and meeting trains and postcards to the lonely, which upholds the permanently rickety elaborate structures of living, which is Atlas. And maintenance is the sensible side of love, which knows what time and weather are doing to my brickwork, insulates my faulty wiring, laughs at my dry, rotten jokes, remembers my need for gloss and grouting, 
which keeps my suspect edifice upright in air, as Atlas did the sky. Thanks, Harold. So we're moving now into a time of meditation. To take us into the stillness, I'm going to offer some words from the Unitarian Universalist minister, Sean Parker Dennison. His poem, To Invoke Love, speaks of love's many guises, all the different ways that love can show up in our lives. And also of love's power to disrupt and transform and to save. It asks what real love might actually require of us. This poem will be followed by a few minutes of shared stillness, during which we'll have our virtual chalice on the screen. And the silence will end with a gorgeous song, Teardrop, sung by Marilisa at my special request. So again, let's each do what we need to do to get comfortable. You might want to get your feet flat on the floor to ground and steady yourself. You might want to close your eyes. And as I always say, the words, the music, the images, they're just an offering. Feel free to use this time to meditate in your own way. So some words from Sean Parker Dennison. To invoke love is to ask for a hug from a thunderstorm, to spill tea in the lap of the infinite trickster, to make the biggest, most embarrassing mistake of your life in front of everyone who matters. To invoke love is to never know if it will come softly with the nuzzle of a beloved dog or pounce right on your chest with the strength of a lioness protecting her cub her pride, her homeland. To invoke love is to take the risk of inviting chaos to visit the spaces you spent so much time making tidy and watch as the breath of life scatters everything you've only just folded and put away. To invoke love is to allow for the possibility that your words and actions might become so empowered you can no longer believe in apathy or the self-righteous idea that nothing can change. To invoke love is to give up self-deprecation, false humility, pride, to consider yourself worthy to be made whole, willing to encounter love that will never let us let each other go. To invoke love is to guard against assumptions, take care with our words and practice forgiveness, not as an ethereal ideal, but right here in the messy midst of our imperfect lives. To invoke love is to approach each day and every person with wonder, anticipating love's arrival. Is this the moment? Is this love's grand entrance? Is this person the embodiment of love? Am I the one? To invoke love is to play the fool, the one more concerned with loving than with appearance or reputation, the one ready and willing to be vulnerable, abandoning anything that gets in love's way. To invoke love is to be ready to become love, here, now, in everything we do. Are you ready?
This reading is a bit longer than we're used to, about six minutes in total, but it really gets to the heart of the message of today's service. So it's worth settling in to listen to some real words of wisdom. This piece, Give Love Words, is an excerpt from the book All About Love by the influential African-American author, academic, feminist and activist, Bell Hooks who died quite recently in December, 2021. She wrote, imagine how much easier it would be for us to learn how to love again if we began with a shared definition. The word love is most often defined as a noun. Yet all the more astute theorists of love acknowledge that we would all love better if we used it as a verb. I spent years searching for a meaningful definition of the word love and was deeply relieved when I found one in M. Scott Peck's classic self-help book, The Road Less Travelled, first published in 1978. 
He defines love as the will to extend oneself for the purpose of nurturing one's own or another's spiritual growth. Explaining further, he continues, love is as love does. Love is an act of will, namely both an intention and an action. Will also implies choice. We do not have to love, we choose to love. Since the choice must be made to nurture growth, this definition counters the assumption that we love instinctually. To truly love, we must learn to mix various ingredients, care, affection, recognition, respect, commitment, and trust, as well as honest and open communication. Learning 40 definitions of love when we, were, when we are young makes it difficult to be loving as we grow older. Most of us learn early on to think of love as a feeling. When we feel deeply drawn to someone, we cathect with them. That is, we invest feeling or emotion in them. That process of investment wherein a loved one becomes important to us is called cathexis. Peck emphasizes that most of us confuse, con confuse cathecting with loving. We all know how often individuals feeling connected to someone insist that they love the other person, even if they are hurting or neglecting them. They insist that what they feel is love. If we understand love as the will to nurture our own and another's spiritual growth, it is clear we cannot claim to love if we are hurtful. Love and abuse cannot coexist. The truth is, far too many people in our culture do not know what love is. And this not knowing feels like a terrible secret, a lack that we have to cover up. I'm grateful to have been given a definition of love that has helped me to face the places in my life where love was lacking. It still took years for me to let go of learned patterns of behavior that negated my capacity to give and receive love. Had I been given a clear definition of love earlier in my life, it would not have taken me so long to become a more loving person. Had I shared with others a common understanding of what it means to love, it would have been easier to create love. To begin by always thinking of love as an action rather than a feeling is one way in which anyone using the word in this manner automatically assumes accountability and responsibility. We are often taught we have no control over our feelings. Yet most of us accept that we choose our actions, that intention and will inform what we do. We also accept that our actions have consequences. If we remembered that love is as love does, we would not use the word in a manner that devalues and degrades its meaning. When we are loving, we openly and honestly express care, affection, 
responsibility, respect, commitment, and trust. Definitions are vital starting points for the imagination. What we cannot imagine cannot come into being. A good definition marks our starting point and lets us know where we want to end up. As we move towards our desired destination, we chart the journey, creating a map. We need a map to guide us on our journey, starting with the place where we truly know what we mean when we speak of love. Thanks, Chloe. And that piece from Bell Hooks really is the centerpiece of today's service. Um, her message that love is a verb and love is as love does, that authentic love must consist of more than a feeling. I should say, I do know that was a long reading and it's a good moment to point out that all our readings, all the text is full services on our website every week just before uh, we start the service. So if you ever want to follow along or go back and reread a, a piece again, they're all there for you. But that same thread that we heard from Bell Hooks, that runs through all of today's readings in a way. David Blanchard reminded us that the love that matters most probably isn't the sort that's celebrated in cheesy love songs. It's more the sort that UA Fanthorpe writes about, the love like maintenance through which we help each other to live and flourish. The sort of love that accompanies us to the hospital, that puts the bins out, that takes time to listen when we're having a hard time. That's the sort of love that's not confined to romantic relationships by no means, but it can be experienced in connection with family, with friends, with strangers, and let's not forget, in communities like this one. Got just one more reading for you now. We've had a lot of poems today, but it's not your usual love poetry. This is a piece by Unitarian Universalist minister Jess Reynolds. It uses the central image of a wooden box, a box made of cedar, in which we might tuck away and treasure all the many ways in which we have been loved. The Scent of Cedar by Jess Reynolds. A kindergartner gave me a flower last spring, pressing it into my hand as she wrapped one chubby arm around my leg and giggled into my thigh. I took the flower home and hung it to dry until the petals crinkled like newspaper, then tucked it into a cedar box with all the other ways I have been loved. My aunt's voice, as she says, text me when you get home. The tall leash of a soft brown collie across the street who's never met me before, but would like to. The smell of chili in the house I grew up in. My friend Evan writes me emails filled with exclamation points, three or four in the subject line alone, and invents nicknames for me from nonsense and mortar and rhyme. When my sister comes by, I make her tea and show her all the magazine articles my grandmother clipped for me, spilling from the box that won't latch for all it holds. I make her tea and join her in the dirt at the crossroads where she sits, waiting for a map or a compass or a sign. I make her tea and I tuck an extra tea bag into her purse for her own cedar box and pray it runs over just like mine does. And when she leaves, I say, text me when you get home. The Scent of Cedar by Jess Reynolds. Time for one more hymn. 
There were lots of love hymns to choose from, but I'm going for another old favourite, Let Love Continue Long, performed by the Unitarian Music Society. As always, sing along or just listen as you prefer. Time for a few announcements now. Thanks to Patricia and to Harold and to Chloe for our readings. Thanks to Marilisa for the music and to Maria for co-hosting. We'll have virtual coffee time after the service as usual. So you can stay and chat if you'd like. If that's not your thing, do get in touch via email to say hello or come along to some of our other events. If you can bear to hang around, we'd like to take a group photo after the closing music. Our online programme continues. We've got coffee morning as usual at half 10 on Tuesday. Uh, there are still spaces left for heart and soul, our spiritual gathering. Uh, this week, the theme is gentleness. Uh, it's tonight and Friday at seven. Uh, if you've never been before, still never too late to start. This congregation very much has a life beyond Sunday mornings. We do encourage you to keep in touch and support each other as best you can. 
next Sunday morning we're having a hybrid service 10.30 as usual you can join us in the building at Essex Church or on Zoom as usual when Sarah Tinker will be back to lead our service configuration of the new sound system is turning into quite a saga the technician will be back next Friday to finish the job so please continue to pray cross fingers do whatever it takes in hope that we'll be running the new system next Sunday either way we will be streaming from the church after the service next week, there'll be another getting to know you walk, this time led by Patricia and David. That'll be about an hour and a half around Kensington Gardens with a chance for a cup of tea somewhere on route. This is intended as a relatively COVID safe opportunity for outdoor socialising. It's a great way for newcomers to make connections in the congregation if that's something you'd like to do. Um, another thing to mention is that we've got a couple of district and national events coming back this this next month or two, which you might be interested in. 19th or 20th of February, the district will be holding its annual Festival of Unitarians in the Southeast, better known as FUSE, still online this year. Most of the activities are on Saturday the 19th. There'll be guest speakers Alistair McIntosh and Jennifer Kavner speaking on spiritual topics and interesting sounding workshops from a selection of local Unitarians. Tickets are 25 quid for that all day Saturday event and details on how to book were in your Friday email. Looking a bit further ahead, the National Organisation, the General Assembly of Unitarian and Free Christian Churches, will be holding its annual meetings at the Hilton Metropole Hotel in Birmingham from the 19th to the 21st of April. Registration is now open and will run throughout February. There are some subsidised places for newcomers and under 40s who couldn't otherwise afford to go. Um, the programme isn't out yet, but there's usually a mix of business meetings, debates, workshops, worship, and lots of time to socialise with Unitarians from all over the country. Details of that are in the Friday email too, and we are looking for a couple of delegates to go on behalf of the congregation. So if that might be something you're interested in, do get in touch and we can have a chat about that. I think that is everything. So we've just got our closing words and closing music now. I invite you to select gallery view again at this point so that we can all see our gathered community as we close. We leave this gathered community, but we don't leave behind our connection, our concerns, our care for each other, our service to each other, the world and our faith continues. So until we are together again, be strong, be well, be true, be loving. For love is the spirit of this church. So may the lives we lead embody this spirit and let us go forward in peace to meet the days to come. Amen. It starts to 
with a large set of angles and uneven sides. Your head's that paper and your heart's that pen. Gonna do this some again. Gonna do this some again. Do this some again. It's gonna be. It tells me how it's gonna be.